Hey guys, welcome to True Knows Talk. Jeff here. I don't know if y'all have heard of Anchor, but it's ran by Spotify now. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one app or on your desktop. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone and computer. And really, I mean, when hosting on Anchor, you you mean you can distribute your podcast on many platforms. Spotify, Apple, I mean, there's just tons of them, more than I have time to really explain. But the best part about it, really, everything you need is in one place, and it's free. So, guys, go to your app store, download the Anchor FM app, or go online and just put it on your desktop if you got a laptop. Now, I know Chip and Hunter, just like I am, we're ready to kick this thing off. So, y'all can give us the countdown, and we'll see y'all when the show starts. Everybody, welcome to another edition of True Knows Talk. Jeff here is always joined by Hunter and Chip, and you know y'all might be expecting, you know, kind of a normal show from us. You know, where we break down, you know, the upcoming season, kind of what we've been doing, recruiting. But as for you know me and Chip and Hunter, you know, we we like to take you know fan suggestions on topic, especially during this dead period. Um, we wanted to dive right into, you know, a topic that was suggested by our moderator, one of our moderators, Ty English, and uh, he wanted us to cover, you know, the rise and the fall of FSU football. And really, I mean, we all know the rise, I mean, but we're going to kind of focus on, on the fall. And really, what happened? How could a team that was so accomplished on top of the mountaintop, you know, fall so fast. And there was a member last night when I posted it mentioned something about, you know, Alabama, you know, didn't have a title reign for 17 years. And I brought up, you know, that's true. 
but they also, in that 17 years, only had four losing seasons, where we've had four in the past four years. So, really, I mean, what went wrong? I mean, I believe I believe I can speak for all three of us when I say we're probably going to cover three or four coaches today. And um, just really, we, we know what Bobby did. You know, Bobby was Bobby was Bobby. Twelve ACC titles, two uh, national championships, two Heisman Trophy winners. Really, a fun fact that many people don't really know is. He played, the Seminoles played in five national championships between 93 and 2000 and won two of them. I like those odds. But um, really, now really we got, we got to find a scapegoat and who to blame. You know, and let Chip go first. I mean, Chip, I mean, who, who really would you kind of, you know, Jimbo was the first coach after Bobby. I mean, would you pin it on him? Uh, no, um, mine, as far as the downfall of the program, it started, and this was after I, I sat down and had a talk with the next Seminole that I'm friends with to kind of compare the notes that I had and to somebody that was inside the program. Um, the, the downfall, the first wrinkle in the program started with the death of, uh, Devon Darling. Um, you know, as you know, he died during mat drills and he stepped in and got rid of it. And at that point right there, the toughness started leaving the program. Um, then you had, uh, coach Amato leaving for NC state. And a lot of people might not realize is coach Amato did a lot of the organizing for Coach Bowden, and as far as, you know, <clears throat> that went on in the program, um, Coach Gladden was given that, and Coach Gladden didn't have the pool that uh, Coach Motto had. Um, then you had Coach Rick leaving, in which Jeff Bowden was the OC, and I'll be honest with you, Jeff didn't develop the quarterbacks the way he should. Um, you look squandered talent that we had that lost with Chris Ricks. Chris Ricks, honestly, that we hadn't seen in a while in Tallahassee, not since, you know, a true, a true dual threat, not since Charlie. Um, the program started coming back up when Bobby stopped promoting within and actually went out and got the best when he got, when he hired Jimbo as his, o, uh, his OC. Coach Amato came back and that started the organizing again, which I believe honestly helped us to the 2013 national championship. Um, yeah. our, our downfall with the, with the uh, offensive lineman, um, you know, Coach Trickett, was a phenomenal offensive line captain, but he liked to turn smaller defensive linemen into quick offensive linemen. And as we know now, the trend is big and quick. So yeah. for some reason we missed we missed that whole <clears throat> that whole trend. Um, I think you know Jimbo not being focused on the health of the program. Um, 
I believe that was a huge cancer. As we all know, you know, we all know about the affair Jimbo's wife had. And, and I'm sure, you know, as a man, that's got to mess with you. Um, and it's probably pulled his from not what it needed to be. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, you know, they say, you know, if the king's not focused on the kingdom, then the kingdom will run rampant and, and wild. So, I mean, that, that's true right there. I mean, it showed his focus wasn't there. And just like you were saying, you know, that was kind of a distraction. You know, that on top of the year that happened was the same year that LSU came knocking at the door the yeah. first time. So, I mean, you can't be focused on what you got to be focused on. And, but, I mean, what else do you think about it, Chip? Hey, Jeff. What's up, Hey, Hunter? Jeff. Uh, while Chip's talking, I want you to know your uh, your mic's getting some pretty bad feedback while Chip's talking. Okay. All right. Uh, from then, we we all noticed as fans the deterioration of the discipline on the team. Jimbo leaves, and we decide to make a splash hire with Taggart. You know, the Taggart hire had all the feel good. You know. Coming out of coming out of the limo, doing the doing the chop, it had all the field until that opening, and we got our rear ends. To me, Taggart was never like he was in over his head. He should have known he shouldn't have been hired. Yes, it was a feel good hire. The feel good hires only get you so far. Um. Taggart could not recruit a quarterback. I think the only quarterback he recruited was his son. And yeah. at the very most, he would have been a program kid. Yeah. I mean, Hunter, what about you? What do you yeah, think? you know, what I hit on is more of a more recent history, you know. Um, I've said it to y'all, and I've been saying it for a while. I feel like Jimbo – was bound and determined to become an SC, you know, SEC coach. Whenever he got the chance to jump, and he was going to jump, you know. Of course, you know, before he left, he stated, oh, I never thought about leaving Florida State. But all coaches say that. Every coach says, I didn't want to leave this school. This is my dream job. This is, you know, this is this, this is that. And, you know, really, did Jimbo do right by FSU? Yeah, I mean, sort of. You know, he brought a national championship here. Um, 2014 had another great year, really only one loss in the Rose Bowl to Oregon, you know, he had some really great recruiting classes through the years up until, you know, his departure and a couple of years where he didn't really care in my mind. You know, he brought in players like Jameis and Dalvin Cook and Freddie Stevenson, Derwin James, Jalen Ramsey, Carlos Williams, Mario Edwards, just to name a few of them. Um, but, you know, kind of like what Chip said, it, to me it started to started to deteriorate under Jimbo in 2015. That You know, that's the year that he and his wife Candy got a divorce. Um was we still competitive? Yeah, but I really think that the stress from that and taking care of his son and everything just kind of kind of started to weigh him down. Um, you know, we were competitive, and we didn't really dominate in years past after that. Yeah, you know, we went 10-3 and three and 15 and 16, and that really – it didn't prepare us for the – in my mind, the downfall in 2017, you know. And in my mind, that is a year that will live infamously for FSU fans. Um, 
I don't think that Jimbo was really focused on anything FSU, and he kind of knew that he was on his way out the door. And uh, that was the year we fell off the wagon. You know, it it started in game one, and this is one of my things that really seemed to set the spiral, so to speak, and that was game one against Alabama. You know, DeAndre Francois has a season-ending injury, and then true freshman James Blackman comes in, and he's handed the keys. You know, cars running, gas is in it, here's the keys to it. And then you fast forward from that, not having time to prepare as a quarterback and really learn the system in the offense to the first game in October against Miami. And FSU was sitting in a dismal record of one and three, you know, everything went on that season and it didn't really get much better with FSU racking up more losses than wins. And the final record that year of five and six through November. And that's when, you know, on December 1st, Jimbo decided to pull the rip cord and, you know, he left FSU for the Aggies of Texas A&M. But out of all that sort of came a feel-good story out of uh, Coach Odell Haggins, you know, career Seminole. That's whenever he earned the nickname Two and Odell. That's whenever he came in and he, you know, he took everything by the reins and he he led us to two wins over, you know, Louisiana Monroe, which was actually canceled due to Hurricane Irma, but we had to sort of buy that makeup game just to make it to a bowl game that season. And, you know, of course, we did win that bowl game. So, for me, that's kind of when things started to really, you know, falter. Because, you know, Jimbo, he, he did what he did. He got us to the top of the mountain. But he also took us back to the bottom of the mountain just as quickly in my mind. Yeah. And I I, I agree with that. And I'm going to add to that, you know, it all comes down to one word. And when I'm saying this word, and, and it, it ain't just me, I've seen it in reports, I've seen it in interviews, and it was one player that everybody blames. And I, I know people are going to blow up on the comments when I say this, but the way Jimbo Fisher handled Jameis Winston, a bunch of former players have said this, even coaches have come out and said this, that that was the downfall to this program. He was focused more on, I mean, you got to look at it. Jameis, when he was redshirted, got in trouble for, I believe, an incident at Burger King. You know, then we know the whole, the whole you know, alleged rape situation that, you know, I think it cost him like hundreds of thousands of dollars to get, get rid of that. Um, then you take in the whole yelling an inappropriate, inappropriate thing in the middle of the square. You know, that's a lot of distraction for a coach. And really a bunch of former coaches say – that he lost the team. Jimbo lost that team in 2014 when Jameis dressed out for that Clemson game, even though he knew already he was, he was suspended from it. You know, and me personally, you know, I'm just going to say it like a coach. I don't walk up to him, told him to get his, get his tail off the daggum field and come back in two weeks or if not at all, because that right there shows blatant disrespect, you mm-hmm. know, that right there. Then you couple in, you know, 14, people don't remember that. And 14 also was the season, was it 15? I think it was 15. No, it was 15, yeah. Was the season that um, uh, Dalvin Cook was suspended uh, indefinitely until um, a charge was dismissed and he was found innocent of from allegedly punching a girl outside of a bar. And then you had um, – DeAndre Johnson was uh, removed from the team. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go through and, you know, it's all to do with culture and entitlement, really. And a bunch of coaches say, 
that after, you know, they won that championship, everybody felt entitled on that team. But Jimbo didn't stop it. And as a head coach, you've got to. And then, you know, you couple that with <coughs> the recruiting aspect of it. And we all know Jimbo is a phenomenal coach. I'm not going to take that away from him. He took us to the mountaintop, but a phenomenal coach. And to I'm going to hit on something in a minute, what you mentioned, uh, Hunter. But his coaching ability has never been in question to me. You know, he's one of the most elite coaches. He develops, you know, what, three first-round quarterbacks in uh, Ponder, Manuel, and Winston. Mm-hmm. Won a Heisman Trophy winner. But we're just going to look back real quick. I've got the stat. i got on my notes right here. 2013, John Franklin III. Never played at Florida State. Transferred after two seasons. Switched positions. And I think he was in the NFL at one point. J.J. Constantino, career backup, left the program with one year of eligibility. DeAndre, we know about DeAndre. You know, later he was dismissed by Taggart. You know, DeAndre Johnson, dismissed before his freshman season began, really. Um, Malik Henry, he left the season, you know, early. He was like the next Janus, everybody thought. But Mm -hmm. he got homesick or something. I don't know. We don't know what happened. Uh, Bailey Hockman. 2017, was supposed to be the second-string quarterback. You know, was red-shirted that year, transferred to NC State. And then, like you mentioned, James Blackman. And people failed to understand, Blackman was never really coached to play the position before he got to FSU. I mean, he used to search it on YouTube, you know, and watch other quarterbacks play the game and try to learn from it. You know, it was a big step, you know, for him to really do that and to step into them shoes. And I remember – players saying that they didn't even use half the playbook when Blackman was on the field because he didn't know it. So, I mean, that's just, you know, a couple of things. Then you look like, like Chip mentioned, you know, the offensive line, you know, the, you you know, it was was normally a strong thing in 13. That was our thing. I mean, nearly our whole team went, went in the draft, but since then, you know, they didn't recruit well. And, and a little side note, you know, Fisher signed the ACC's top-ranked class between every year from 2013-2017, but they, they, it didn't translate to the field. I mean, nothing that was – the hype around the player didn't move to the field, and that's what I think hurt him the most. On top of, you know, he, he was really not liked by the administration. Um, Stan Wilcox didn't like him. Um, was He was perceived as more of a basketball AD than a football AD, but I mean, just left and right, Jimbo. You know, am I blaming Jimbo for the fall? Yeah, kind of, because he can control the distractions, he can control the the roster, he can control the discipline, and making sure these kids do right. Now, on the other hand, you know, he's just a coach. He can't control kids when they go to the clubs. He can't control kids whenever they. They're out with their friends. I mean, that's that's where his hands are kind of handcuffed in. But his fingerprints are on the downfall, you know. But it wasn't – to me, it wasn't just a cultural thing just with Jimbo. You mean, I've done a show before. You can look back even as far back as uh, Derek Brooks and them. They were suspended at one point for uh, receiving free free items at a store. I mean, it's, it's been a cultural thing at Florida State ever since the 90s. And – yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't blame Willie. And I know some of the people here, you know, and and it doesn't matter if, I know one of the comments says Dalvin was framed. 
Um, I, I don't blame Willie for anything. And Dalvin, you know, he was found innocent. So, I mean, that's, that is what it is. But it's still a distraction. You know, yeah, Jeff, and to kind of add to what you say about, you know, whenever, right whenever Jimbo was leaving and Willie was coming in, FSU's academics were at the very bottom of, S, you know, FBS to the mm-hmm. point where we were fixing to be under an automatic bowl ban because they were so bad. I just wanted to add that in there too. You're, you're right. And, you know, a, a former coach that played with – or coached under Jimbo said that they were assigned one role during the season, making sure they were eligible, and that was it. That tells you right there. I mean, and Willie helped boost that up. You know, that was one of Willie's thing was graduation and recruiting, which, I mean, he focused more on, I guess, the graduation. So. He wasn't a coach that believed in seeds getting degrees. I mean, that we're going for all academic true. honors. I mean, Willie was a safe, Willie was really a safe, safe pick as a coach at that time. There really wasn't much on the market then. You know, I'm trying to think back who uh, who was even available then, but there wasn't much. But in my eyes, it's all Jimbo's fault. You know, it, it all started with the throwing of the Christmas tree. In my eyes, really was when we knew it. But I mean, I'm I remember uh, Wilcox and um, Thrasher saying that when Jimbo walked by their office, they would grab their wallets. Because he always come in there demanding money, which I mean, rightfully so. I mean, we were top of the world. We were Clemson before Clemson, and we were right there with Alabama, yeah. about to surpass them before the wheels just the wheels just freaking fell off. In my eyes, I wouldn't say the wheels fell off. I'd say the wheels got blown off because it was yeah. a it was a very drastic decline after that. Well, yeah, I mean, I remember going to to the 2014 season. And then again, you know, there was rumblings around Jameis the whole season, really, and people don't realize and remember this, but there was rumblings that saying he was trying to – he was fixing games because him and his uncle or something was betting on him, you know, and that's why we played close games all year when we should have blown out everybody. But, you know, I remember watching the – I think it was the Boston College game inside Doak. It was raining, you know, and it came down to a field goal. Shouldn't even have been close. Shouldn't even have been close. But me, I mean, like I said, you know, it, Jimbo's Jimbo's the, the biggest culprit of it because the head coach is held accountable for everybody. And Chip, I mean, you know that by playing. You know, the head coach is is the one that's, you know, he's 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 God really in that program, and he's the one that controls everything. So. I mean, but then, then, I mean, you add in Willie, I mean, lethal nothing, you know. Lethal simplicity, do something. And he did nothing. Like I said with Willie, I, Willie to me was in over his head from the very get-go, from the, the, the kickoff, very first kickoff of the first game. It's like you could, you could just see it on the field. Yeah, I mean the, the whole sw- the whole swag surfing and all that, you know, they got wiped out. <clears throat> yep, thank you for that. That's one of my notes, as you know. Under Willie, yeah, there was you know there was issues with um, with the players, you know, with discipline. But to me, under 
his coaching staff, it just it, it seemed to get worse. You know, like you said, the whole swag surfing. Players seem to be more worried about dancing on the field, on the sidelines, than playing football. And, I mean, it just – it wasn't good. And, you know, like Chip said, Willie, I feel, was in over his head. You know, you'd look at him on, on the sidelines, on, on TV, and he'd just be just, – just standing there, you know. He, he wasn't passionate. He wasn't, you know – Jimbo would talk to his players. He, he would get on them. You know, Coach Norvell, he, he, he gets on them bad. But Willie, he was just like – Hey, you know what? When we win, if we don't, we did something. It was simple, you know. And to me, that was his biggest downfall. You you watch him after after the games and post game pressers, and it's hey, you know we we made mistakes today. Um, you know we got to get better. We got to improve. Uh, we're just not playing Seminole football. That that was his big line. We're just not playing Seminole football. We got to you know we got to we got to work on this. And the work was never done, you know. Did he have the talent to go, you know, ten and two? Probably not. Seven and six, eight and four. Yeah, the talent's there. It's Florida State. They're an iconic brand. Jimbo just left. I mean, it wasn't like his six years before Jimbo left. You know, some of his recruits still there. The players were there. But in a sense, I I, I can't blame him totally too because you know you look at James Blackman. How many offensive coordinators did he get through? How many playbooks did he get thrown at him? You know, defensive coordinators, how many of those did we have? So the, the players were were reeling and still kind of looking for guidance at the same time, and they never had the chance to get it from one particular coach. You know, Willie was fired quick. Was he the answer to Florida State? I don't believe he was, but he was fired quick. Those players never got a chance to really grow under his scheme. Do I think Lethal Simplicity was the answer? No, but I just feel like, and I know y'all are going to disagree with me. He was a knee-jerk hire, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, he was hired some like four days after Jimbo left. The, oh no, the I don't process. Think, I don't think that's a knee-jerk. I don't think that's. I think you're right on the money. It was a. They wanted a splash. We got to hurry up and get somebody. Yeah, exactly. And you know, yeah, he looked good at Oregon. You know, Oregon did great that year. They went to a great bowl game. But he inherited that team. He didn't grow that team. He didn't recruit for that team. So really, you know, he came to Tallahassee unproven, and it just it, it didn't work out. He's more in his element now where he's at, and it's it's still not great. But I feel like Jimbo was the first domino, and the hiring of a coach who was not ready to come in and lead this program was the second domino that fell, and that whole track just collapsed. Boom, and you know. Willie's still getting paid, so I don't feel bad for firing him. He's, he's making a lot more money than we'll ever see. But it's just, in my mind, it was a dumb decision to hire him. You know, he was a feel-good story, but he wasn't the coach that Florida State needed at the time. Right. You're, you're right. I mean, and the thing is, going back to that, and it wasn't just the co- you know, he had lack of quality assistance. But you look back and also look at Jimbo. The years before, you know, the national championship, we had, you know, Stoops. You know, Stoops gave um, Pruitt really one of the top ten defenses in the nation. Mm-hmm. Pruitt enhanced that to the number one defense in the nation year we won the national championship. Then you take old – I'm just going to call him what I call him around work whenever he comes and tries to recruit old Schmeagle, Charles Kelly. You know, and he made us a flipping laughing stock of a of a program. And 
you continue to look at, you know, look at the lack of quality assistance with Willie. You know, like you mentioned, we went through two offensive line coaches in two years, two offensive coordinators two years, you know, and it was always this person's coming in for as an analyst. This person's here. We're going to make it different. Willie wasn't a winner. And I hate to say this. I know there's Willie Taggart, you know, sympathizers out there. And I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but he wasn't a winner at Western Kentucky. He wasn't a winner at USF. Yes, he had a couple good seasons. He wasn't a winner at, at Oregon for that one year. You know, he won. Yeah, his record was above 500, but he took a team that, what, not two years prior was in the, in the national championship game against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the year before had a good season and took a team and did what with them? Nothing. You know, and another thing, I'm going to bring this up, his biggest downfall for me was he was being a friend and a fan. He, yep. he has this thing, my lifelong dream to coach here, my lifelong dream to be here. He was trying to be a friend to the players and a fan, and that was his downfall. He wasn't being a coach. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you just here, his lack of seeing talent in his own roster, when he took over at Florida State, our quarterbacks that was transferring in, and, well, no, it was next year, 2019, his quarterbacks was James, Black, James Blackman, Wisconsin transfer Alex Hornibrook, mm-hmm. Louisville transfer Jordan Travis. He had a quarterback right there as his third quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you watch that spring game, that first spring game, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jeff, that first spring game, Jordan Travis outplayed everybody. Yep. You're right. I agree. Yeah, I want to say something too. We have a we have a comment in our uh, comment section. We'll address about Chris Parsons in a few minutes. We don't want you to think that that's overlooked, but we will address that in just a few minutes. Um, but you know, like Jeff and Chip says, if Willie Taggart was still the head coach at Florida State, would we have seen Jordan Travis by now? Would he have transferred out? I mean, it's just it's crazy to think about the what ifs and the what could have happened and things like that. You know. But like you said, no, no knocking Willie. He inherited a mess. Um, did he fix the mess? No. Did he make it worse? Yeah, kind of, you know. Because like you said, whenever he was recruiting kids, he never recruited a single quarterback out of high school, you know. And it's just, you know, kind of going back to the press conferences, he just looked like a deer in the headlights after every press conference, like I can't wait for this to get over. And then, you know, you, you look at the games that he won – he was their best friend, you know, he was done there dancing with them. He was doing this. And, you know, I, I agree. There's a time to celebrate with the players. I do, but it's just, there's a, there's a time and place, you know? So was he dealt the best hand? Not at all. If he was given more time to fix it, could he have maybe to an extent, but not to the level that Florida state's supposed to be at, you know, my thing is you look at LSU. All right. Another iconic brand. National powerhouse. They fired Coach O. Who'd they get? Brian Kelly, a great coach. If Clemson was to fire Dabo Sweeney DeMar, if he was to leave, guess what? They're going to get a great coach in to replace him. So we can blame the coaches and the assistant coaches and the players not being disciplined. But another aspect of it, too, it comes down to your front office and who they decide they want to be in charge of the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to answer a question, you know, you said, would we see Jordan Travis, you know, if if Taggart was still here? The answer in my eyes is no. 
because after Taggart's 2019 season, Jordan Travis didn't even know if he wanted to play football anymore. Yeah. He was so he was so mind warped about, you know, am I even a good quarterback? Can I throw the ball? And it took Norvell, you know, coming in there and kind of boosting him up. And it also took Odell, because Odell, if you all remember, Willie got fired after Miami. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next the next game, I believe, was Boston College. Yep. Jordan Travis came in and had one of the longest runs as a quarterback. Yep. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was like a seventy-five yard run, and then after that, you know, it was it was between him and Blackman the rest of the year. But me, honestly, you know, the the being a friend and all that, you know, hurt him. He was in over his head. Y'all, you're right. Y'all are right. But really, him not seeing the talent, you know, and like me and me and Hunter was talking, and I've, I've looked up some stuff. 2017, 18, and 19. Hunter, I know you know the answer because I told you. Chip, do you know how many offensive linemen we recruited in those three years? I want to say it's less than three. Ten. Ten in three years. Now, that's transfers. Ten in three years. The last three years under Norvell, we have recruited 18 offensive linemen to this program. And you know as a quarterback, just like I know as a as an offensive line coach, that's where you start your team at. Oh, yeah. Is is the down – is the down, you know, head, is, the, is the dang trench mafia right there. Yeah. You know, you've got to protect your quarterback. And that's something, you know, if we'd have had that against Alabama, DeAndre wouldn't have got hurt in 17. Correct. If we'd have had it in 18 uh, – if we'd have had it in 18, Cam Akers would have rushed for 4,000 yards probably, mm-hmm. you know, because he was a beast, you know. It all comes down to that, you know, the recruiting and all that and the lack of him see, not seeing talent hurting. But kind of moving on real quick, Miss Carroll, I – I know it's kind of off topic, but, you know, Chris Parsons, yes, uh, I did see something break earlier about him decommitting, which me and Hunter's been talking for the last two days about certain things in recruiting. Um, I got to stop because I keep calling things I shouldn't be calling. I called Travis Hunter to to Jackson State. I called this. I called Junior. I got to stop. You know what? I'm calling it now. We're going to have – a 10-2 season. That's my prediction before the prediction show. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm not going to actually say that. But The thing is, we've got other quarterbacks. Jordan Travis has still got one year of eligibility after this year. He's just entering his red shirt junior year. So if he wants to stay, we got him again. You got Duffy. Decent. Let him progress. You got Rodemaker. Then you have What's his name? Uh, Glenn Brock. Mm-hmm. Trending towards Florida State. Tr- Elite 100%. 11. Elite 11. Him, him and Parsons was right below each other in Elite 11. Even Auburn, who is supposed to be Brock's favorite team, even their beat writers are putting 100% crystal ball to Florida State. Yep. Because it's just it is what it is. Now, is that saying Parsons ain't going to come back to us? No. It's still early. You know, but – Parsons is seeing more of an uptake into his recruiting right now with, you know, he just had a, a offer from Virginia Tech. Uh, 
SMU, us, and just other colleges. I mean, it is what it is. Does that mean that come December 15th when it's time to commit, he, he's not going to put the darn it gold on? Who knows? I'm not hating the kid for it. He's a high schooler. So, But also, you know, that's the thing where as fans, we've mentioned, you know, Twitter, Instagram pages like that. These are the pages we need to go to, even though a kid has said, yes, I'm coming to Florida State, just like the offensive lineman yesterday, you know, 100% committed, I'm here. Just because they say I'm coming doesn't mean it's time to give up on these kids and stop showing them support. You know, you can't say, oh, well, he said he's coming to Florida State. He's locked in. He doesn't sign the contract. No, you need to, we need to get on these outlets as fans and say, hey, you know, like you said, you know, hey, Parson, hey, you know, we understand you decommitted, but look, no nation's still behind you. We'd love to have you, you know, come back and be a Parson and great. Show these kids that we care because, you know, the coaching staff is a select few number of people. And the players know that they're going to be trying to say, hey, we're here for you. Come play for us. As a fan base, we got to stand up and go let these players, you know, hear our voices say, we're, you know, we're here. We want to see you. And that, that's that's a big downfall in my mind. And, you know, I, I digress off of that. We'll talk about it at a different time. But definitely Twitter, Instagram, you know, you see these players just like their stuff, you know, say, hey, go Knowles. Just something. Let them know you're here. Yeah. I'm – I mean, my thing is, I guess we lost Chip. My thing is, you know, on these media, on these social media outlets, you know, Hunter, like you was mentioning, you know, I've said it once, I'll say it again. These players watch them outlets. Mm -hmm. They see what fan base is behind them. And for all these fans, and Miss Carol, I, I appreciate the, the question, but really it comes down to, it's going to come down to NIO money anyway. Mm-hmm. But really, if NIL wasn't around, what would it come down to then? It would come down to fan support. Yep. Go on there. Go on Twitter. I, my wife hates it. She does. She says, you spend all day on Twitter. Well, that's because I'm putting graphics up. And I'm, yeah, I'm tagging. I, I'm <laughs> tagging, you know, I'm tagging everybody and anybody. Uh, you know, me and Hunter and Chip, we're, we're out there trying to get these kids, you know, hey, hey, Florida State loves us. The fans love us, and that's really, you know, what it is. You got to show them love, you know, or they're, they're going to decommit. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd much rather him decommitted now than do what Travis Hunter did at, at signing day. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, sorry, I called that one. Called that one from a mile away that morning, but yeah, not proud of that one. Well, could he have been? Could he have been a cultural cancer if he got here? Now, okay. here's something to think about. Could he still transfer to Florida State if Coach oh, Dion yeah. was to leave Jackson State? Oh, yeah. But anyways, that, that, that's a whole other episode. Let's sort of dive into, if you guys want to dive into, you know, our our, our current head coach, Mike, and the, the mess that he inherited. Jeff, I'm sure you want to go first on that one. That one really mm, – the cover was bare. The culture was bad. You know – the fan base really wasn't behind him. You know, nobody knew it. But the thing that I like from Norvell to Willie, or Willie to Norvell, Norvell's not a Nor Norvell's not a fan of Florida State. He's a coach at Florida State. He knows yep. the history of Florida State. He's not a, I grew up, yeah, he, he had the, the license plate on the wall. But he's not the one that said, oh, I got, I'm going to play there. Or, ooh, I, I need to be there. He's here to be a coach. 
and you can go watch, which I'll share it on the group. There's videos of him at the Miami game and at the UMass game. The UMass game, we won umpteen to three or something. I can't remember what the score was. But at halftime, he's still getting in their tails as a coach, just like they're losing 55 to nothing. He's driving them. He's, you know, it is. But really, he, he inherited the dumpster fire. And really, with him and Atkins and Woodson, you know, recruiting the way they do, he's getting that fire out. And, I, and great days are coming. I know he says it all the time. Great days are coming. That we're addressed the offensive line. We got a quarterback that can dodge, that can really could be a breakout, in my eyes, a breakout Heisman contender. Mm-hmm. You know, I think great things are coming to Norvell. What he inherited was just a straight up dumpster fire. So that's all I really got to say about that one. Yeah, and I can kind of agree with that. You know, I live about uh, 25 minutes away from campus, and my, my water's starting to taste a little funny, Jeff. There, there's something in the water in Tallahassee. Um, and it's, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, my, my biggest thing ever since me and you have been talking about coming live on the show has been the offensive line. I mean, that, that's been my, my biggest thing. And the reason I say that is because your offensive line protects your quarterbacks, opens lanes for your running backs. It, it, it's a unit that does everything. Not only does it do things on the offensive side of the ball, but it does things on the defensive side of the ball as well. And what I mean by that is you can't have your quarterback and your running back coming in going three and out, kick the ball, you know, there's your defense back on the field again. Yeah, it's great. They push it three and out, but then you come back and do the same thing. They've got no rest. They've got no time to be coached and just no time as a unit together just to get their minds right and get back in the ball game. So with what he's doing with the offensive line, you know, with the transfer portal, the battle of the beards, the recruiting coming up, you know, the players coming in, I'm excited for that because that's, that's going to help, you know, and kind of going back to that, you know, December 8, 2019, Mike, he was hired as the head coach, you know, and let alone did he inherit a mess and the cover was dry, but the one word was also very apparent worldwide, and that, that's COVID, you know. COVID really seemed to shut things down, shorten the season, and take players and coaches out of the game, you know. There was a game, I guess it was against Miami, I believe, that Mike wasn't there, you know. Mm-hmm. That doesn't help. You know, yeah, 2020 we had flashes, you know, UNC came into town, number five team in the nation. We beat them. Mike's the first coach in ACC history to ever beat a top five team during their first season. And, you know, 2020 was kind of a kind of a gimme season. It wasn't one that really counted. You know, it did, but it didn't in my book, you know. Um, you know, 2021, and I don't want to say a whole lot of bad things, but 2021 had their ups, had their downs, you know. We we come out. We played not really lights out against Notre Dame, but impressive enough that we should have won that game in my eyes, you know. And then it's sort of the sophomore slump with Jacksonville State, and we're talking about the good and the bad of what happened. And I'm gonna be honest with you, the bad part of that was I put that game, that loss, on the coach's shoulders. You know, we run some sort of a silly two quarterback system with both quarterbacks on the field at the same time. It wasn't working. We let them stay too close in that game. And then at the end of the game, you know, we, we dropped an egg on defense. Why did we run that play? Why did we not run a prevent defense? And after that, you know, I kind of feel like it's got us to where we are now, the upswing, you know. 
after that, Mike Norvell, he said all the right things in the press conference. You know, he come out guns blazing, you know, kind of hitting the desk. He, he was there and he was telling people what he felt and what his vision was for no nation. But until that Louisville game, even though we lost the way we played in the second half, we were still coming down that mountain. Yeah. In my mind, we finally hit the bottom of that mountain and we're starting this year to kind of come up. We've seen it at the end of last year, you know, lost a heartbreaker against Florida. I was there for that. I feel like if Jordan Travis wouldn't have gotten hurt, probably would have won it. We would have went bowling. So are the bad times over completely? No. You know, we're, we're still going to make mistakes this year. We're still a young team. But as a whole, do I feel like the good times are going to outweigh the bad, bad times this year? A thousand percent. You know, at the end of this season, I feel like we're going to be singing – uh, you know, a different tune, whistling Dixie, excited for the next year. But it all starts where we left off at. And where we left off at, like I said, was still right at the bottom of the mountain coming back up. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Chip, what do you think? <clears throat> I believe Norvell is the right person for the job. Yep. I believe that uh, he did inherit a very, very bare cupboard. Um, like I've, like we've had talks, talks before. This has been the most talent we've had in Tallahassee since probably 2015. Um, where we have a loaded backfield. We have, we we have a, we basically have a four horseman backfield. Um. You also add in, look at the receivers we have, the tight ends, <clears throat> the studs we have on defense. Like we, like I'm, I'm expecting some really, really good things out of Tallahassee this year. And uh, you know, no nation has just got to be patient. And that's one thing that has gotten us as fans is we've been spoiled. And yeah, this is uh, you know. Every program goes through a down, a down, downtime. We're rising out of our downtime. We have to be patient. Let Norvell still install his culture. We're going to be fine. Yeah, and like you said, you know, we were talking about social media outlets and players and stuff. It, you know, it goes back to what I was taught as a kid. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Because not only do these kids see it on social media – but if you're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, and you're just bashing Norvell and you're calling for his head right out of you know the gate, I mean, you know, hell, we could go to New Orleans and, and lose, you know, just as well as we could go there and win. But if the fans are on social media and they're saying, you know what, it's time for a change. I told you all Norvell wasn't the man for the job. They see that kind of stuff. They have to see your support. You know, I was there during softball season postseason i met coach norvell i got a picture with him i thank the man for what he's doing along with you know tens and twenties of other people were just walking by hey coach we believe in what you're doing thank you for what you're doing for no nation just because you know they're making that some odd million dollars a year doesn't mean they're not a man or a woman like me or you and have emotions you know if they know that we're behind them and they believe it they're, they're going to keep doing it. But if they know that we're calling for their head, what's the point in putting up the effort anymore? You know? you're, you're right on that. And closing out, you know, I'm just going to say this, you know, we got to support them. You know, I always say that. 
But you know Bobby Bowden was using Florida State as a stepping stone to get to Alabama. That's that was exactly his his mindset was he was going to come here, build something here, and then go to Alabama when Bear Bryant left. Well, lo and behold, the fan base loved him and made him feel loved he stayed here. We ain't got the money to do another buyout. So we're kind of, you know, I wouldn't say stuck, but we've got to let, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put it like this. You have a good old pot of gumbo. Are you going to want to eat it right away or you want to let it simmer for about an hour or two? Yeah, exactly. You want to let it simmer. So we need, we got to let this brew and we got to let the climb happen and the culture change. And really, that's all. I mean, I, I think that's about it for us. My thoughts on it. I mean, y'all got anything else? Yeah, I want to say one thing. Uh, Ty, thanks for choosing such a great topic. That's the uh, fastest 48 minutes of my life. Um, I really enjoyed this show, enjoyed the topic. And, you know, if you guys have a topic you want to hear us discuss, let us know. Message any of us directly. Message our Facebook account, you know. We, we would love to hear from you guys on what you guys want to hear about, especially right now while we're still in the off season. Um, you know, we do have some things brewing. We're not quite ready to announce yet. We're looking forward to those. We think you guys will really enjoy them. Um, but, I mean, if, if you ever want to bring up a topic, let us know what it is. We're more than happy to talk about it. And if you want to come on the show and talk about it with us, you see, there's there's a spot right there. We, we can slide chip over to the left or the right. We can make room for you here. So we appreciate you guys. Right. And, you know, we want to hear what you guys got to say. Actually, speaking of that, I can add I can add three more people to our group. Uh, that's what our limit is right now. So if, if, there, if there's someone who wants to come on, come on. But, guys, I mean, with that, we're going to call it call it a night. What you got, Chip? Um, I took my son this weekend to Janoris Robinson's football camp, and there were several of the current players there. And, you know, C.J. Campbell got to talk to him on the side. He just looked me in his eyes, looked me in the eyes, and his eyes were just – just excited. You can see the excitement. He says, he's, he said, Chip, they have no idea what is in store this season. So people are going to be at the end of the season are going to be like, they're back. We don't see the growth they're seeing out there on the practice field. And when I saw the excitement in his face, it got me even more excited. Yeah. Which, which Hunter, I mean, I'm not trying to cut you off yet. Hunter, spring game, who, who did I keep, keep telling you and that other guy to watch out for? <laughs> C.J. Campbell. Double dude, there was, 22 there, out there. There were several of them. You, you know, you said C.J. Campbell, you, you know, talked about uh, Thomas coming in, Sam McCall, and even, you know, a quarterback that a lot of people don't expect to possibly fill that number two role and be quite good at it if necessary, you know, Tate Rotemaker, like, just that little glimpse we have. And we know that the spring game is more or less just smoke and mirrors, generic plays, just to get the fans excited, get the players out on the field, and, you know, just to have that opportunity with the fans. But short of a couple plays in the end zone, it it looked great to me. Yep. So. Well, well, guys, we're going to uh, sign off. Uh, we appreciate everybody that watched. Um, guys, I mean – Till next week, guys. Go Knowles. Support the climb. Enjoyed it. Go Knowles. Go Knowles.